Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. Our guest today became the most famous gay Mormon flight attendant in 2007 when he won one of the most beloved seasons of Survivor, China. Todd was placed on the iconic Fei Long tribe alongside the likes of Amanda Kimmel, Courtney Yates, James Clement, and unfortunately Jean Robert. He quickly aligned himself with fellow strategist Amanda Kimmel and a meat shield, Aaron Reisenberger. At their first tribal council, Todd joined the majority in voting out his tribe mom, Leslie Neese, after she shared a clue with him to the whereabouts of a hidden immunity idol. After losing his meat shield allies Aaron and James in the tribe swap, Todd found the hidden immunity idol at Fei Long and gave it to James as protection while he was at Jean Hu. When the tribes merged, Todd was in a strong position with a core alliance of Amanda, Courtney, Denise, and James, who by this point had both hidden immunity idols in his possession. Although the plan was to systematically eliminate the original Jean Hu members, Todd was annoyed that James hadn't offered to return the hidden immunity idol to him and considered voting him out. However, Jean Robert had the same idea, and not to be outdone, Todd led a blindside against Jean Robert instead, much to Courtney's delight. With that windbag out of the picture, Todd was free to make his move on James, pulling off one of the biggest blindsides in Survivor history and sending James home with two hidden immunity idols in his bag. Todd and his allies Amanda, Courtney, and Denise sailed through to the final four, and when it came time to finally turn on each other, Todd, Courtney, and Amanda agreed that Survivor is, in fact, not welfare, and together voted out lunch lady Denise Martin. At the final tribal council, Todd gave what is still considered one of the best final tribal performances in Survivor history, defending his game, stroking the jury's egos, and demonstrating that he played a stronger strategic game than both Amanda and Courtney. Todd secured four votes to win and became Survivor's 15th winner. Todd is one of only two LGBT winners in Survivor history. He is technically the first winner with Canadian citizenship, and he is hands down the most requested guest for this podcast. We are thrilled to welcome this genuine Survivor legend to Drop Your Buffs. Welcome, Todd. Thank you. I'm so excited. That was so nice. <laughs> I'm so flattered. It's a long time coming. It is a long time coming. Yeah, we're... Yeah. We're very glad to finally have you here. Our our second guest on the podcast was Courtney, and Courtney spoke so fondly of you. And obviously, uh, we are fans of yours, as are our listeners. And I feel like Survivor China holds a special place in both Sean and I's hearts, but also I feel like real fans of Survivor, when not naming you know your heroes versus villains or like your sort of more braggadocious seasons, I feel like China is up there as one of the purest great seasons. Well, thank you. I mean, well, first of all, Courtney is just amazing. I absolutely adore her. And I actually remember when you reached out and you were like, hey, Courtney's going to be on our podcast. So like, I thought you like, I don't, I don't necessarily love doing podcasts, so I don't really do them super often. And so, um, when you had talked about it, I was like, oh, cool podcast. However, then I started following Evan on, um, Instagram and I basically realized that we 
loves the exact same things in this world. And I was like, I kind of have to do this podcast because we are soulmates. <laughs> wow. Love to hear it. I'm glad to finally meet my soulmate. Um, so to start, tell us how you're doing. As you just said, you are not someone that regularly appears on Survivor podcasts. So Survivor fans do not get to hear from you too often, which is not the worst thing. I mean, a level of mystery is often a good <laughs> ingredient uh, to have in a recipe. But but tell us, how how are you doing, Todd? I'm doing really well. I mean, I live in Utah. Um, I am married to a wonderful man. Um, I have my own little business where I make custom Funko Pops. Um, I've been sober for almost six years. Um, I'm just happy to be alive and be around and, and kick in and just, you know, the happy, lucky, positive Todd for the most part, except for when it's really cold outside and then I hate life. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Well, like I said, we are so excited to have you on. It has been a long time coming. And so we want to rewind. I have questions that I've had for you since 2007. So okay. let's get into this. Let's do it. <laughs> because, because I thought I knew everything. And when I was talking to Courtney, when we were talking to Courtney on this podcast, she told us that you and Amanda both were originally in contention for casting for Fiji. Is that true? That is true. Yes. So, um, I believe Amanda was an alternate, like she actually was wow. like super close to being on Fiji. I made it to, to the final rounds in Fiji and then got cut. So, um, I wasn't, a, I wasn't going to audition again because my heart was broken and I was like, Oh, my dreams, I can't do this again. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. And, um, I sent a tape in literally the last, cause yes, this is back when you had to send a VHS. And so I sent a VHS on the very last day that you could for Survivor China. Um, and so, yeah, both me and Amanda were potentially going to be on Fiji. Thank the Lord that we were not. <laughs> uh, well, you were not on Fiji, but you did uh, come come around the next season on Survivor China, as we mentioned. Now, Survivor China has one of the most unique locations Survivor has ever filmed in, which is one of the great things about the season. Um, they heavily leaned into the local culture and history, but they also gave you one of the worst camps ever. What were the survival conditions like in China? Okay, so China, first of all, um, I never had like thought of going to China. So when I found out I was going to go play Survivor in China, I was like, okay, this is cool. It's something that I never would have done on my own. When I get there, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a crazy different country than what I you know, had anticipated. But then we go into the middle of nowhere and into this jungle and it was basically a swamp. And so it was in the middle of monsoon season. We are on a lake and mind you, this lake is just murky, muddy water. So it's not like you know, the, the blue clear waters that you see in Fiji and stuff. Now it was just a muddy mess. And so it would downpour away and everything was muddy and gross. There were bugs everywhere. And when I say bugs, I mean, they came in waves one, one week, it would be like caterpillar week where there were just thousands of caterpillars everywhere. You looked one week. It was like these gigantic bees everywhere. One week, it was just the mosquitoes. One week it was ants and Men and the things out there are small. They're all giant. And so it was just, it was gross. But I, I'm really glad that we did it there because it was so different than everything else. I heard this story, Todd, that you got a parasite in China. Is that true? Yes. Yes. 
Um, some of us got parasites, but so it was like day 18, I think. And I looked down on my leg and I could see like this, what looked like, like a worm under my skin. Right. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. And so like, I would just scratch at it, but every day it would like move. It would be in a different spot under my skin. And I mean, it was disgusting. So after everything was said and done, this thing, I still had it. And it was like move its way up my up my leg and it made its way to my butt cheek. And it, um I, I saw doctors, I tried like I tried all sorts of different medication and stuff, and I had this thing for like three years. Just moving around my body under the skin. And so apparently it was parasites that had entered in through the toenails. And um I don't like they would basically go to the surface of the skin to to poop and that would be like the line that i would see as it maneuvered its way through my body it's gone now thankfully <laughs> but yeah that is horrifying it's disgusting i know <laughs> wow okay let's move on from that <laughs> so i want to come back to courtney because she is not just a fan favorite but one of our favorites Along with you and Amanda, like what an iconic yes group. Not not just that you're all on one season, but that you're all in an alliance together on the season. And Courtney told us that <laughs> she was banking on being the first person voted out of the season, and she was really just there to get the yes. pre-jury oh trip and <laughs> to get this free experience, right? And that they had kind of told her in casting that don't worry, you'll be the first voted out. Like you're a, you're a small girl who doesn't even want to be there. And yet she <laughs> makes it to the final three with you. So I'm wondering, like, was there a moment early in the game that Courtney s- said outwardly to you, like, please vote me out? Oh, every, and, every like, day. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't... And so why did you keep her? Because we needed her. So, so um, Courtney didn't audition for Survivor. She was recruited. And basically... As she was going through the casting process, she was like, I'm not going to do Survivor. I will play Amazing Race, but I'm not going to do Survivor. That is not for me. And they convinced her, like you had said, go play a Survivor and you will probably be the first one voted out and you'll have a free trip to China. And she was like, okay, I'm sold. Well, um, little did she know that while I was in casting, they had asked me if I could have any celebrity play the game with me, who would it be and why? And I said, Nicole Richie, because she's a skinny little bitch and we would become best friends. And all we would do is sit around and talk trash about everybody else, but we would make it to the end together. Well, sure enough, she was my Nicole Richie. And so as soon as we started getting along, which was day six, because I did not like her until day six, because she just complained about everything. But after day six, we really did become attached at the hip. And she wanted to go home still the whole time. But then day 21, it was really funny. I'll never forget it. We were laying by the pool or adult swim is what we called it, but it was the lake, you know? Um, and she walked over to me and Amanda and she was scratching her and she was like, you know what? You guys won't get rid of me. So I'm here to play. Like, what are we, what are we doing now? What's next? And I was like, yes, it's time. So day 21 is when Courtney was like, I'm here. I'm here. I love that. Took her 21 days. Uh, yeah. Well, she may have been there, but she is also here with us now. Not huh. physically, but... Hey, everyone. Um, it's me, Courtney, 
from Survivor, but you know that. Um, okay, <laughs> I was so jealous that you guys were going to get to hang out with Todd that I had to insert myself into the conversation. Um, and Todd, I speak for the class when I say we would like to hear, if you can think of one, an, a fresh, like, untold story of um, Survivor China. And I was there, but I don't, I don't remember a lot of it. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to give you some choices. Number one, tell the class about your first impressions when you first saw, like, when we first saw the cast of characters at, like, the airport and everyone was with their, like, various luggages and things. That's one. Two, um, I would like you to tell about, um, I don't know if you remember, but you used to become very sassy to um a certain crew member um and that like I would have to stop and like defend them (laughs) and it was just this one guy Joe um and then or we could talk about the exact moment that you knew that you were the best player in the game and that you had the best ally ally um or (laughs) winner's choice Tell, the, tell about whatever you want to. Anyway, I love you so much. Um, it was an honor to play with you. Um, and I still think we had the best season and the best final three. Okay, love you. Bye. I love her. She's seriously the greatest. I'm trying to remember being sassy to Joe. Um, I do remember she always had to be like, you need to be nice to him. He can't. But I don't remember what I would say. So I'm going to have to like get into that with her. Um, <laughs> I love her. So let's see. If I knew exactly what I was saying to him, I would tell that story. But since I don't necessarily remember that, I will tell like some of my first impressions of seeing everybody. Okay, so my first impressions, like Amanda would wear these tiny little shorts with cowboy boots. And all I could think was, who is she? And like, why does she think that's good? Um, <laughs> and then Courtney, I remember specifically, I was like, she, there's no way she's going to make it out here. She's so small. There's no way. And she was just scowling at everybody constantly. Um, Jamie, she had her little CD Rockman and she had like the big headphones, like not, not like the nice ones, the cheap ones. So you could hear her music. Right. And she listened to Avril Lavigne, like skater boy. <laughs> On repeat. I mean, I'm not even kidding you. So it was just constantly skater boy. And she just, you know, like be bopping around. And it's like, we get it. Like, we get it, Jamie. Um, but I liked her. I, I I thought I would have an alliance with Jamie um, pre-merge. And then Frosty, um, I was like, I feel like I'm going to get along with this kid. He was also like my bunk, bunk mate in Ponderosa. We couldn't speak to each other, but like we kind of had this understanding with each other. Um, PG would do nothing but Sudoku. So we just would stare at her playing Sudoku and be like, oh, she's a puzzle queen. That's what she wants us to think mm-hmm. is that she's really good at puzzles. Um, Jean Aubert was just Jean Aubert. He'd have mountains of food as he would eat. Because, I mean, we were together for like two weeks before we started playing the game. We just couldn't speak to each other. Um, let's see. And I didn't really think much of Dave um, because he was very, very like secluded and quiet to himself. Leslie would always like, do like little waves, you know, and be like, how like type of thing. Um, Eric, I just remember like Jamie wouldn't just stare at Eric. I mean, the rest is history there. Yeah. Uh, Denise. So Denise was in my original casting. And I remember Mark Burnett had said to me, um, with the people that you see here, who do you think you would get along with? And I said, lady with the mullet, I like her. So I knew that um, we 
would probably get along because we had like an understanding eye connection thing as well. So it was really interesting. Like when we first saw everybody, James was super intimidating because he's huge. And he also did a lot of scowling. Um, I also liked Sharia. I could tell I liked her at first too, but she was very, very vocal about like the bugs and the humidity. And she'd be like, ah, and I was like, what is she doing here? So, and it was just super crazy to, to be with all these people for so long before playing the game because you couldn't do anything. Yeah. But, but yeah. Sharia is one of those people that I feel like needs a second chance. Like it was so great that PG came back for second chances, but I feel I've always felt every time I rewatch China, I'm like Sharia has so much potential and she unfortunately just went so early and kind of got like, listen, I would in. love to see Sharia play again because I, I still to this day love Sharia. She is very true and real to who she is. She is um, funny and she is strategic and she was super physically strong. So I would love to see her have a second chance. I think she would actually do quite well. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the girl in the cowboy boots and short shorts for a second. Because <laughs> okay. this is an Amanda Kimmel Stan podcast, I have to warn you. And so okay. I've got like I've got a lot of questions about Amanda. So <laughs> let's let's <laughs> <She's go. laughs> one of your earliest allies in the game, like a day one almost ally. You voted together at every single tribal council. And you seem to be this unstoppable force together and such a iconic duo. What was your like personal relationship like with Amanda in China? Me and Amanda were really, really close. Like I love Amanda. The thing, the hardest part about Amanda is she doesn't like to let people in. Um, and it takes a lot of work to, to get through those boundaries. Um, as far as like, getting close to her on that level that happened after survivor so during survivor it was a lot of um surface friendship courtney is why like who i was able to get over those boundaries with and connect with but then we had amanda as like our our you know surface friend and um it's not because there was anything wrong with her or anything it's just because she's very guarded um but she's she's just a wonderful she's wonderful you know she's hardworking she's freaking beautiful I mean she's one of the most beautiful people you'll ever see in your life I mean even with no makeup she was just stunning constantly those big eyes and I mean just legs that came up to my nipples like she's just beautiful so um, yeah I mean obviously I loved Amanda from from the get go just she's just a little standoffish at first. And, you know, Amanda went on, as you know, she returned a few months later to play in Micronesia and then again in Heroes versus Villains. It sounds like from what you're saying, you guys remained close. What was the relationship like between the two of you after the show? After the show, yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of time with her. I went out because so she moved in with PG in Venice Beach after the show and they lived together for years. And so whenever I would go to California, I would go and stay with the two of them. And that's when, you know, we would go, you know, to dinners, we'd hang out at the beach. We were just, I, I spent a lot of time with them. So I feel like that's when I really got to know who Amanda was and like what her like heart and soul is. And, and so that's where I felt like this person is someone that I, I actually trust, not just game trust, but like in the world trust. And what are your thoughts on how players like Amanda and Rupert, and there's so many, 
even I feel like Courtney to an extent um, that have played multiple times were such icons of the game during that what I call like the golden period of where you know China heroes versus villains fall. Uh, they were they were so visible in the Survivor community, and now they're not so much, right? And yeah, whereas you have like Robs and Sandras who are you know old school Everywhere. players as well who are like super visible in the community. Uh, how, how do you like? What's your take on uh, how those players are either remembered or not remembered in the canon of Survivor? So it's interesting because um, I feel like. I feel like with Amanda, you know, and me at the same time, we were, Survivor was such a huge prominent thing in our life. And then she went on to play again and she had her little friend, like her group of friends, us, who were her cheerleaders. And then they went on to play again in Heroes versus Villains and had these cheerleaders in this support group. And it was so much of like consuming of life. Like this is what my identity is that um it's easy to get lost in that and so i feel like um amanda one day just chose to to rediscover who she is as a human and step out of the survivor world and you know move it moved back to montana where she was married got married and had children and and uh opened a little boutique and to me i say you know like that that's great. It's kind of something that I had to do as well. Like I had to step outside of like the identity of I'm just survivor Todd. Um, and, um, obviously I still love the show and I still support the show and I'm still a huge part of the community. Um, but sometimes I feel like if, if you get too lost in it, it can consume you completely and your identity. Yeah. So I have to, you know, support some of Rupert, like Rupert, I can only imagine like he was known as freaking the tie-dyed pirate from like 47 seasons of survivor and then amazing race and everywhere he went it was hard and you know tie-dye and and it's like at some point you, you should probably forget who he is as a human besides just rupert from survivor and i think this conveys a lot of like the difference between old school and new school because one thing you see with these new school players, and by new school I'm referring to like, you know, 41 plus, is them leaning in so hard to being on the show because by leaning in, they're able to build their social media following around it. But, and then they can sort of leverage that into other opportunities. And I feel like it was very different back at this time because there was less of the ability to control the public perception of you. Yes. So when you're someone like Rupert who goes on the show and his big narrative is being the ARG guy and the fisherman and everything, he can't go on social media and then, you know, show you him out at the beach with his family. Like that that doesn't exist. Exactly. And nowadays I feel like there's also an effort to lean in much more because it's not by leaning in, you're not limiting yourself in the ways I think you would have been then. 100%. I mean, back when I was on survivor, I still had MySpace. Like I didn't even have a Facebook yet, let alone Instagram or TikTok or anything, you know? So, so it is so true because now the second the show airs, they're getting hundreds of thousands of followers and then they can present themselves however they want on their social media. So yeah, like Rupert was just literally the pirate in tie-dye for so long. Yeah. So it. Amanda 
goes back and plays Micronesia back to back with China. I think she was even playing while China was airing, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And she makes it to the final tribal council again. Yes. And she loses again. How was that for you to watch your friend who oh you, know, you beat in China go and play again and get beaten again? So it was it was really actually quite hard because so um, obviously the the people from China we all knew that um, her and James had started to go film Micronesia um, because they got to see the first episode of China and then they were gone and they got home like sixteen days or something maybe six days like before the finale so Amanda we didn't speak to through the entire airing of the season. And as soon as she's home and we get to LA and we see her, she was already in a different zone. And it was kind of hard to see because she did believe that she had won both. And I remember hearing that from her thinking like, I knew she hadn't won China. I knew it was between me and Courtney. I thought Courtney won, but um, I believed that she won Micronesia because she believed it and so when she didn't win China obviously I was not too hurt about that because I did and so I was her big supporter number one fan in Micronesia you know like oh go Amanda um and then I went to the finale and just watching it happen all over again you could almost see a little piece of her like break off and I mean I would probably be completely devastated as well especially when i had thought that i won but she still stayed strong you know she still gave it a go and but i do think that she had lost a little bit of her um original sparkle i guess you could say as would anybody i feel who just mm-hmm. literally spent so long living in a jungle and being told that you're second best twice in a row yeah, and I mean, I, the spar- the loss of that sparkle that you mentioned, it's quite evident when she comes back for Heroes versus Villains. And then, as you know, everyone knows, that was the last we, we heard from Amanda. Amanda does not have social media, uh, is not a part of the Survivor-verse whatsoever. And one of the interesting things about that, and obviously it's like Amanda should do whatever Amanda wants to do, but um, one of the conversations we had recently with Parvati when she came back on the show was talking about how leaning into the Survivor fandom in the 2020s um, has been such a different experience for her. I think the culture has largely changed just in general about how we think about and speak about women. but also someone like Parvati, who at one time was not so beloved by the fans, is looked back at now as one of the greats of all time. And it's unfortunate that Amanda, in not coming back to the show, has not afforded that same opportunity because I bet that a look back at Amanda's resume today would be so much more appreciated now than it was then. Uh, which leads me to wonder, uh, when was the last time that you spoke to Amanda? So, I, so first of all, I completely agree with you. If Amanda even stepped one foot back into the Survivor universe, I think that she would receive nothing but just like an extremely overwhelming welcome because so many people want to hear from Amanda. I want to hear from Amanda. You know what I mean? I have not heard from Amanda in years. The last time I spoke with her was just after she got married. And this was like years and years ago. 
and that's that's it. So I I would love to know what she's up to. I would love to know exactly how she's doing. I mean, I hope she's you know doing well. Um, but everything that I had to get in touch with her has changed and different and gone. Wow. And it's like I understand why she did it. You know, she had to step completely outside of the world. Um, I did hear a rumor that she was um, at casting for Game Changers. So oh. I did hear this rumor, and I, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But um, I was told that someone saw her there. Wow. Well, we will need to dig into that eventually. But can I just ask you, like, on a personal level, because, you know, you talked about the fact that after you filmed, you're going and staying with her in PG, and, like, you develop this whole relationship with her that has nothing to do with Survivor. I just think it would be really difficult to have a friendship that is so strong, but also you have this, like, shared bond through this incredibly rare experience, both of, like, playing the game of Survivor and the celebrity that comes with Survivor and, like, the public persona and all of that stuff, to develop that friendship and that bond and then have that person ghost you, I just imagine that would be, that would hurt so much. And I'm just wondering how you dealt with that, like, as a human. So, um... I cannot fault or blame her or actually take any kind of hurt because that's also when I was starting to get really heavy into my drinking. And so um, I was, you know, starting to lose myself big time. I mean, it was probably around like 27 years old. Um, so several years after Survivor, but like my drinking had started to become so, so heavy that I was pushing people away without even realizing it as well. Um and, you know, I don't, I, I'm not going to speak on a man's behalf, but I know that like there were, you know, some, some distancing issues similar to mine, um, for her as well. And I think that's why we both just had to like step out and focus on ourselves for a little while. And so I don't look at it like I was ghosted. I looked at it like she knew that she had to take care of herself, um, because it was either choose the path of just complete destruction and like emptiness and loneliness or fix yourself and, and get your life right. And I, we both chose that, that route. Yeah. Well, I hope that one day we will hear from Amanda again. I do hope that she emerges. Uh, I don't know if she knows how much love there is out there in the survivor community for her. I and know all I want too. is for her to know that. I really am so curious if she's aware as to how, much she's loved you know i don't yeah. know <laughs> you know there was this book that came out last year the year before that was a commemorative book about it was sort of like a book slash magazine uh -huh. uh, i don't know if you saw this but it was yes. sort of commemorating 40 seasons i think they they did have something from 41 in there and every season had an interview attached to it and the china section the interview was amanda like it was a new interview it's just like pretty surface level, like 10 questions. And one of the questions was, would you would play again? And she said, yes. Okay. So that would make. So it's like, she's out there. She, and she's thinking about it, but. That would probably make more um, truth to that rumor about game changers. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Okay. 
we're going to find her. We're going to find her. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite scenes of you and Amanda from China is when you find the hidden immunity idol together <laughs> on the Feilong beach. And unfortunately, Frosty's there, catches the whole thing. You hand it over to James, which is already a great strategic move, but it leads to an even better strategic move when later in the game, you pull off this incredible blindside on James, the best we had seen up to that point, certainly, and one of the best in Survivor histories by sending James home with both hidden immunity idols in his bag. <laughs> I've just always been curious, though, because I, I know you were a little annoyed in the show that James didn't offer you the idol back. Uh, did you have conversations with James about getting that idol back, or did you even want it back? Okay, so yes, let's. there's a kind of a backstory here. I didn't want to hold the idol myself because Target, but... I had an agreement with James that we were sharing them if I needed one. So um, what had happened the day that we decided to actually blindside him was um, I went up to him and I told him that I needed one of the idols because I had heard a rumor that he was going to vote with Jamie and Eric to get Moo out. Now that was all a lie that I had come up with to make him upset. So he, of course, was upset. He went and started a big fight, um, not with Jamie and Eric, with Eric. He went and started a big fight with Eric saying, I would never vote with you because like you, you, there's two of you, you and PG and just me. Like, why would I do that? So then I went back to James afterwards and said, I completely trust you. You can hold on to both idols. And we did that so that he had them when he walked out of tribal council that night because... It was all set up by me and Amanda and Courtney. We knew we had to do something to make sure that he had the idols and he would walk off. And so, um, as like, it was very, it was all very strategic on the three of us part, because we knew that we had that target on his back and we had told absolutely everybody that he had them for that reason, but we had to make him feel confident and safe. So did I want the idols? I mean, sure. Who doesn't want an idol? But it was also very early hidden idol games. And if it was publicly known that you had one, you were public enemy number one, which is still kind of the case today. Mm, yeah. And like I mentioned before, your final tribal council performance is considered one of the best of all time. It's always like exhilarating to watch how <laughs> Thank you. You, uh, you navigated that. Do you think that there's an art to the final tribal? Uh, or like, have, have there been any that you have been particularly impressed by either before yeah. yours or after yours? I mean, I'm, I'm impressed I've been impressed quite a few times. Like, I mean, Kim's final travel was wonderful. Hmm. Um, and I feel like Sophie was also really good. Marianne, she yes. won everybody over at tribal council. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is my honest truth with tribal council. The final one is we had all gotten to tribal council, me, Courtney and Amanda, and we were in the mic tent getting mic'd up. And so we had to basically wait for the sun to set because, it was Dave and Kank on our tribal council all the day. You know what I mean? So um, me and Courtney were just singing, singing songs and laughing because you cannot talk anything about the game when you're getting mic'd up. Um, and Amanda, she was like, can you guys please stop? I need to think. I need to think. And so she was over in the corner thinking about what to say while me and Courtney were celebrating the fact that we were there. 
So my thought is this. If you go in with a planned speech, it's going to sound scripted. It's going to sound fake. It's not going to sound genuine. If you go in raw and open, you're going to have much, much more um, you know, people respecting what you have to say. Because otherwise, like anything to me that sounds scripted, I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. Get off. Get off my TV. Like, you don't belong here. You know, that that pisses me off because, yes, you've made it there. But if you go and you just say all this nonsense, it doesn't sound real. And after 39 days or 26 days now of playing with these people and you literally voted these people out, you hurt these people. They don't want to hear a, like a fake speech. They don't want to hear what you're going to do with the money and all of that crap. They want to hear why you played this game so hard. So that's my advice. Don't overthink it. Go in and be real. Good advice. It's good advice. I also, I, I just miss the way that the final tribal councils used to be done. I feel yeah. like this sort of like everyone sitting around and agreeing on a set of questions takes away the power of like someone who really feels some way about someone in the final threes move, like getting to fa have them face to face and, and say their piece. I mean, I think the reason why Survivor lasts lasts as long as it does is in large part because of Sue Hawk's speech, and that would not be able to exist in the present-day version of the game. Now, 100% true. You play Agreed. Survivor China. Obviously, it goes pretty well for you. Um, was there any talk of having you back in Micronesia or particularly in Heroes vs. Villains? I feel like a lot of people feel like you are a big omission from the Heroes vs. Villains uh, <laughs> cast. So I was, I was not asked for either of those seasons. I was asked um, three different times further down the line for seasons that like didn't exist. One of them was Nicaragua. Um, I was called before that. So I don't know what they had planned originally for it. Um, and then one was... Oh, what I don't even know what season it was supposed to be, but again, it was another non-returning season. So it was like they they did the call, they followed up, and then the final one was checking to see if I was sober and healthy and good to play um, winners at war, and obviously didn't get through on that one either, um, which is fine because I will always say yes. I will always say yes if they ask, and if it happens, wonderful. If it doesn't happen, I'm also okay with that because i'm still batting a thousand so, so just because i think there's going to be the question of the clarity on that it, it, and and you say as much as you felt comfortable saying was was were, did production feel like you were not deemed healthy enough to come back for winners at war or you just the phone didn't ring there was no follow-up like do you have clarity on why you weren't cast it's kind of it okay so what i have heard was that someone else ended up basically lying and saying that I was not okay to take a position. So I don't know all of the details. I don't know what happened. Um, I was asked if I was healthy and sober. I said yes. And then that was pretty much the end of that. So um, it was one of those situations where it's like, I can sit around and, and wonder all day long. Yeah. Is it because of my drinking? Is it because of that? But it's, it's also one of the reasons why, um, I stopped saying that, you know, it's just survivor Todd because I did that for a long time. And so when I had been called earlier on and then nothing followed through and then called again and then nothing followed through, I remember being disappointed because I was like, well, I got to get back out there and prove something. And it's like, but no, I don't, I don't have to prove anything. Um, 
I would have loved to have played Winners at War. I mean, even up until the day um, that they were they had left, like Danny had called me on the phone and she was like, you're lying to me. I know you're out here. I know you're coming. We can't do this game without you. And I'm like, Danny, I'm not there. Like, I I'm, I'm promise you. So it was like Danny and Yule and Michelle. And I mean, I was talking to all of these winners who were just very con like positive that I was going to be there. And I'm like, listen, just go out there and play. And it's gonna, it's okay that I'm not. But um, watch out for the newbies is what I kept telling them. Particularly Danny. I do want to touch down on your sobriety journey. Obviously, you mentioned you've been six years sober and huge congratulations there. Thank you. Now, your sobriety journey has been one that for better or for worse, you tell us, has played out very publicly. And I imagine there's a complexity there, right? Um, you had some moments where, you know, you're on the Dr. Phil show and it's difficult to watch. I'm going to be honest with you. And I oh, think many people, yeah, I'm sure it's difficult for you to watch as well. On the one hand, you know, you can say, this is the reality of a person grappling with addiction. This is what it looks like. And you can argue that it's helpful for many people to see addiction in on all of its unfiltered ways to say that this is how so many people are existing and living through the world. You can also argue that it was potentially exploitative to you in you were clearly in the throes of your addiction and they put a camera on you and they knew how you were going to look in that moment and to unempathetic viewers of which there are many, they're going to think the worst, right? Yes. And not even understand the nuances of addiction. And so I'm wondering, you know, in, in, with clarity now and, and, and hindsight, how you feel about all of the way in which it played out publicly? Um, okay. I, I hated it. I still don't love the, I don't love what happened with the entire situation with Dr. Phil. My parents were at the point where they didn't know what to do. So they reached out to the show to get me help because they really didn't know what else to do. So I do not blame my my family or parents. I don't blame anybody. It was my, I mean, I was a, you know, raging alcoholic. Um, when the show came and I had agreed to go on, um, I was not in any kind of state to really understand exactly what I was doing. Um, I got put into a hotel for three days before taping and um, just had like basically unlimited booze um, from the show. And so when I got to my dressing room, I was sober that morning. They, they brought a camera in and they had me do a breathalyzer test and I blew a zero. They cut the cameras and then they brought a bottle of vodka in. And, you know, as a detoxing alcoholic, I was shaking and I was like, I, I drank the whole thing. And then the cameras came back on and I blew like a point two eight or something ridiculous. So there was a lot of like, wait a second, if this is a show that's supposed to be helping someone, why would you do that? I do understand that that was what they needed to show on the show to get the severity across because I was super bad. Like, I won't deny that one tiny bit. I was a very, very, very deep alcoholic drinking a liter to two liters of vodka a day. Um, but I don't agree with the way that they did exploit it because that's exactly what they did. They exploited it for ratings. Um and so when I said that I wouldn't go to like treatment or anything and I, and, and then I was on the show again and again, it was, I never agreed to any of it. It was literally them coming to my house and, and force saying, if you don't agree, 
we're going to get a court order to send you. And so at that point, it's like, okay, fine, I guess I'll go. And so um, as far as getting sober, I don't think if you force someone to get sober, they're never going to. I didn't want to. I, I, I liked where I was, as crazy as that sounds. Um, it felt comfortable to me. It felt right to me. It felt like that's what I needed in my life. Um, and it wasn't until I was completely on my own by myself one day where I was like, I am sick of this. Like, I cannot do this anymore. And so I made the decision to not drink. And that was how I actually got sober. So the whole Dr. Phil part of the, the story of it to me was um, a whole bunch of free summer camps on a beach. You know, like it was just a, an escape for a little while, but I didn't want to be sober. So it was pointless. It's just so fucked that shows like this, uh, I mean, the giving you alcohol in the green room, I, I just wish, I, I thank you for sharing that. I wish more people understood that. Yeah. It's not entirely surprising when you think about these shows like Dr. Phil, but the part about it that's so fucked, as you said, is they're bringing you on under the guise of, we're going to help you, we want to help you, and they're actively doing the opposite. And that's just, yeah, it's one thing for them not to provide the help they say that they're going to provide because that's sort of, you know, television world. What do they, they don't really care about people, but they're actively hurting you. And I just think that that's well, yeah, I mean, here's reprehensible. The thing, and I'm sorry you had to go through that. Oh, well, thanks. Sorry. Sorry for interrupting you too. Is like, I remember no. though, I had said in an, someone had asked me a question in like a newspaper several years after the first time in Dr. Phil. And I had said that in this interview, I said there was vodka in my dressing room. And so they re like the Dr. Phil show retaliated and said that I'm an alcoholic, which means I'm a liar. And so I was like, wait a second, you're now turning this around on me because I said that there was, there was vodka in my dressing room of the Dr. Phil show and that I'm just a liar because I'm an alcoholic. Like that's what really gets me is, is the fact that I, I, I'm only speaking the truth. Did Dr. Phil come and hand it to me himself? No, but it was there. Why was it there? Why did they bring it in? Why did they cut the cameras at the first, you know? So it's like, come on now. So yeah, sometimes that's just the way things crumble. But looking back at it now, like I wouldn't change anything. You know, this is part of my journey. This is part of my story. It was a very hard time in my life. And the fact that it is so public, I can now be someone who, who helps others by saying like, if I can do it, so can you. But you have to truly want it type of thing. And if you would have asked me that six years ago, I would have laughed at you and been like, huh, no, this is stupid. But now I'm okay with that. As somebody who was, is such a big Survivor fan, was such a huge fan of yours, it was heartbreaking to watch in, in real time. And yet your journey to sobriety and seeing you come out of that and become a healthier person and thrive and start this business like it's been inspiring to watch and i think that that is why people wanted to see you on survivor again so so badly and why it's such a shame uh that not only you uh because there were other huge huge omissions i think vesepia i think tina i think even richard hatch right like huge huge omissions from uh, the show's legacy characters, legacy winners. Um, and so it's so disappointing that we haven't seen you 
back and particularly on Winners at War when you're considered one of the all-time greatest winners of Survivor. It would just be so great to see you, uh, you know, try again and see uh, how you progress because you have gone on such a, such a significant journey in your life. So I'm curious, like, what was it like for you then watching Winners at War from the couch? Um, I thought it would be weirder and harder than it was. I actually just had fun with it because like, you know, here I was able to sit back and root for my friends. And I looked at all of those friends and I said, you should have listened to me in those calls that you made beforehand because I told every single one of them to watch out for Sarah, to watch out for Ben, to watch out for Wendell. I said, watch out for these new people and look what happened. So, ha. Yeah. 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 And hey, like yeah, maybe in retrospect, Winners at War wasn't the season to be on because yeah, I would have been screwed an too. endangered species, the old school. I winners. literally probably would have been one of those early bids too. Yeah, but you would have helped tip the numbers so that we would have had more old school players. And hopefully your presence actually could have actually set us on an entirely different course. But oh my gosh, that will so... remain survivor lore, unfortunately. <laughs> I would have wrangled the old schools. Great. They needed it. My God. Yeah. Um, I, we want to get your thoughts on the new era of Survivor. You know, obviously Survivor is in this, uh, you know, as they deem it, the new era. But what's interesting is I think that there's um, there's 40, you know, to box 41 through 44 together, I think is doing it a disservice because I think, and we talk about this on our weekly recaps, 44 seems to be a very different season of Survivor yes. than 41, 42, and 43. Um so I'm wondering for your thoughts on the new era, but also like, are what are where are you netting out on 44, and do you box it in with with the new quote unquote new era? I think the only thing with uh, boxing 44 in with the other three of the new era is the fact that it's 26 days. Um, so like, yeah, we can consider 41 through 44 new era of 26 days. But I agree with you. So 31, 42, 43 were very different than 44. 44, I'm actually really liking. I'm really enjoying it. 31, 42, 43, I had some moments of, of love for each, um, but also some moments of like, ugh, like, no thanks. I, th I do think that um, the biggest thing is, you know, Survivor's been on for so long that it doesn't have any choice but to try try new things. It's, if we didn't have things that we hated there wouldn't be podcasts to talk about it there wouldn't be the message boards there wouldn't be the fans to complain and whine so yes we have to try things even if they're garbage um because if you don't it's just going to be the same thing over and over and over again and people will probably just continue to fall off um now <laughs> that being said a lot of the things that they're trying they're trying far too aggressively um and all at the same time and you, you got to like chill a little, you know, like not this last week, but the week before with like the, the 47 different little twists that happened. It's like, guys, this would have worked. This all could have worked. But if you did it a little bit differently, you know, if you didn't have one third team win immunity, rather you had one person from each team win immunity. And then you did like the, the forced vote and there was still a whole bunch of people to choose from, or like, there's just, Little things like that. The whole hourglass thing. I'm so glad that it's not here right now because, like, that's just stupid. It's just like, what? Of course, they're gonna break the hourglass because they're safe. So I don't know. Just little things like that. It's like I don't know what your you know little dream boards that you make 
before you go play look like, but some of it needs to be edited. Mm-hmm. That 44, yeah. this cast, I think, is great. Do you have a winner pick from 44? I mean, I love Carolyn. I, I think Carolyn is my favorite love. person to play in years and years. Um, but so, like, Carolyn and Jam Jam and Carson, I love that little alliance. I think the three of them are a very unlikely mm-hmm. trio and they're just wonderful. Um, I also really like Franny, I think she's great. So, yeah, I think. There's some really good characters on the season. Uh, we're, we're, we're completely lying. I think we said the exact same thing on our recap this oh, week. Oh, well, so. look at that. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. <laughs> One of the other things about the new era is that Jeff has been quite insistent on the fact that we are not getting returning players anytime soon. But before Winners at War ever happened, there was always these rumors about a Legends season. Legends was going to be the theme, right? And we have like we have been continuing this rumor. We're, we're feeding it fuel every t- chance we can get. And so we've dreamed up that season 50 will be a Legends season of Survivor winners and non-winners. And I have to ask, one, would you be down to play the Legends season? I think the answer is yes, but you tell me. <laughs> and two, who would you want to see out there with you on the Legends season? Um, yes, I would play a legend season in a heartbeat. Like that would be so fun. Um, legends, man. Like, so, okay. So I do believe these rumors are true. I actually think 40 was supposed to be legends before it turned into winners at war, uh, because of the people who were called and in the running to be on the show. People like coach, you know, like that's not a winner. Oh, um, and Russell. So distinctly not. there you go. Also so not. there's that. What'd you say? I said distinctly not. And oh, yeah. also not. And so, yes, I do believe these rumors are true. And I do think that it will probably actually maybe happen on 50. Probably, maybe, actually. We'll see. But people that I would consider to be legends of the show, I mean, obviously, you've got your Sandra, you've got your Rob, and you've got your Tony because they are legends of the game of Survivor. People like Rupert, he's a legend. And Amanda is a legend. Mm-hmm. It's really tricky, though, to pick out other legends because you have people like Jerry Manthe, who is the original Black Widow. Mm-hmm. So I would consider her to be a legend. Oh, my goodness. You know, Parvi, obviously. We're thinking more in that Jerry Manthe, Amanda headspace and less of like the Rob and Sandra who like, yes, they are. I guess we're casting them. Sure. But we're looking for like we're looking for the Jerry's and the Amanda's. Okay. So if we were to go even on the new school side, you've got people like Jonathan, who we've never seen someone who literally dominated and challenges that extreme. Um, James is a legend in himself from my seasons. Hello. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, that just can't be denied. Um, let's see. Who else do I really think is a i mean rob sister nino what if you were to put your todd fan of the show from seasons one through 14 hat on who are you who are you digging into from those seasons oh my gosh so rob sister nino i loved him i loved hmm. i loved jenna marasca <laughs> Like I was like huge Jenna Maraska oh, fan. I would kill to watch Jenna Maraska play again. I Another omission from Winners of Yeah, War. I would love to see Jenna play. Um, so I was a huge Jenna fan, and then, I mean, obviously Sue Hawk, and oh my gosh, it's just so tricky. Uh, Stephanie Lagrosa, 
it's hard because like a lot of the legends are considered people who have played like two plus times, but like I look at mm -hmm. people like Krista Hasty. I loved her. You know, I thought she was so yes. so fun. Yes. I thought um Katie Gallagher was just crazy and good. Yes. Now you're now, now we're we're good. Good. <laughs> Rafe, now we got a cast. Like Rafe Judkins. Rafe, like, yes. You know, the original yes, game obviously, one. Obviously, yes. Um <laughs> dreams i would like to see dreams one of ours is crazy. Uh, is kathy vavrico kathy vavrico brian yes. from marquesa yes huge i love kathy i'd even like to see nalia play again like oh yeah that would be crazy good because hello that was so long ago oh absolutely like, who else like there's so many if you sit back if i sit back and i, mean, I were to go through each yeah, one no, this is <laughs> like there are some really but this is a this is a very healthy list it's there's some good ones on there right <laughs> like who else let's see oh they're yeah. great scout cloud lee oh my gosh scout <laughs> i so amy and eliza from vanuatu still and twyla like i think twyla would yes. be really fun to see again <laughs> she was also crazy but amy and eliza i'm trying to think of like thailand who i really liked oh helen glover yeah helen is probably thailand. the number one from thailand that would just be epic africa kelly would be yes. fun I feel like Lex and Big Tom are must. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, Big Tom. I did an homage to Big Tom. I don't know if anybody ever picked up on it in Survivor China, where I said, what is PG going to do? Make an alliance with Amanda and a Bush? And it's because Big Tom said that back in <laughs> Africa. And I said it on purpose as, like, a high five mm. to him. Sean, we'll have to meme that out. We'll do yeah. a, a little side-by-side -side for sure. Um, we love a reference. Um, okay, a couple last things before we let you go. want to touch down on Jeff Probst. And okay. what's interesting about the time and place when you played the game is you were but a few seasons before Jeff really took the reins on the show. And... A lot of people, you know, make edits of there's like a there's a compilation right now on YouTube that's like Jeff's like snarkiest moments or something. And basically, I bring that up to say that there's just this very obvious change in demeanor of Jeff through the years. I think there's a more um, concerted effort in the new era on his part. He's been very outspoken about that, uh, especially on his new podcast. But if you just look at the Jeff of the early days to now, they're almost like two entirely different people. And people feel of mixed feelings about which which of those Jeffs they like, if there's striking a balance, who's to say. I'm wondering if you can sort of talk about your thoughts on Jeff in 2007, was it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. 2007, and then your thoughts on the Jeff of 2023. <laughs> okay. So Jeff, back in the day... I mean, obviously, he was aggressive. He was very forceful. He was very, uh, like, he did not mess around. Um, it was a different time for sure, because, like, he was very inappropriate. And um, so the way, the best way that I can put it is like, is like this. So my dad, growing up, was, like, very stern and strict and, like, right? But as he's gotten older, he's gotten, like, soft-hearted and, like, you know, emotional and tender. And... It's like, I feel like that's Jeff. He's just turning into an older, softer man who is like now to, you know, to like, let me get in touch with your emotions and your feelings and stuff. And so it's like, instead of uppers, he's on downers or something ridiculous. He's <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, I miss like the aggressive, like 
forceful Jeff because I mean tribal council he was he was not easy on us like you see you know a much easier side than what it was like he would scream at you if you were just like being blah 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 he'd be like do you do you have an evidence and it's like wah calm down Jeff um like he yelled at Amanda one time because she was just done she was just couldn't speak and he he literally screamed at her and it was like Jeff so I don't picture him doing that now. I mean, they sit around and they hold hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Victoria posted something where she said, if Jess asked or if Jeff act, asked me to talk about like what Survivor meant to me in my dreams, I would have just burned the whole tribal council down. And I was like, seriously, though, like, what is this tender sound of like, let's all cry and kumbaya at tribal council? I couldn't take it seriously. I would probably just be like, oh, come on. Let's get someone out already. Like, get over with it. So, yeah, it's hard, but I understand. This is why we need you on Legends. Yeah, right. Please. Like, I still have my my <laughs> sassy side. And I, I honestly do not hold back on when I talk. Like, that's one thing for sure that I have not lost. I'm not a soft and tender person. I can be nice and friendly and kind, but I am not emotional and soft and tender. That's what made you such a great confessionalist in China, because especially it paired with Courtney, there was just so much uh, shady talk in the confessionals. And it felt like for the first time in a really long time, I, I said this to Courtney, that Survivor felt really culturally relevant again because it was picking up on things that were happening in the culture like (laughs) Paris and Nicole you know we were a few years out from Mean Girls like there was that sort of like catty uh like but but tongue-in-cheek sort of bitchiness going on in the culture and I felt like oh my god it's on Survivor I'm finally seeing like myself my culture on Survivor and further to that point you are only the second and still the second gay winner of Survivor after Richard Hatch won season one. And I felt like it was so significant when Richard won, but I also felt it was so significant when you won because you're a very different person than Richard. And so it was a different demographic of gay person winning Survivor. I'm curious how you feel about being such a key figure in the show's LGBT legacy. You know, it is actually really crazy to think like out of... 43 seasons only two members of the lgbt community have won like that is, and i'm one of them that's really crazy like that wow um i don't know i mean that's exciting it makes me it's really exciting for me because i i remember going out there and i remember saying to myself beforehand like i'm not going to hide anything about who i am i'm not going to change anything about what i believe in and what who i love and and what i am as as a human being, I'm just going to go be myself. And I want people who feel like me, who don't fit into a stereotype cookie cutter version of, you know, this gay or that gay, um, they're, you know, because I feel like a lot of the times the LGBT community can be put into a cookie cutter just by what we see on TV. And that's not fair because every, every single one of us is completely different. So I was like, I want to go out there and for all the people who are like me, I want them to be able to relate to me and understand that it is okay to be you. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm still that same sassy, mean girl that has a very dry sense of humor to this day. <laughs> that has not changed. Who is your favorite LGBTQ plus player of all time? And who is your least favorite LGBTQ plus player? <laughs> um, I'm a Jam Jam. I think his, his wit is hilarious, to be completely honest. He is very, very high up there. Um, I, I loved his line where he's like, all of these people come out here and they say it's so humid. Say, I'm used to the humidity. I don't like it, but I'm used to it. I'm like, this, this is why I like you. Jam Jam is like, you're, you're funny. And so I do definitely love him. Um, also, like, I love Amy Kisak, like I said, you know, she's freaking amazing. Um, mm -hmm. Scout is also a wonderful person. Um, my least favorite was probably Colton. Oh, good choice. I would say it's like tied between Colton and Varner. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I say that's like a, a yeah, fair tie. I, I just, for me, with Colton is like, you can't go out there and quit twice. Like, you're you're not doing any good representation of anything at all, except for making it look like you're a where's this a whiny bitch. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Listen, we no disagreements here. Um, before we let you go, Todd, to wrap things up, can you give us a little bit of an update about? what you've been up to lately. I know you mentioned your business, but we'd love to hear more about like what life looks like for Todd these days. Yeah, I mean, life for Todd is is it's, it's pretty simple and, and easy. I mean, me and my husband, we we work together. So we both make the custom Funko Pops um, with Todd's Pop Shop. We go on dates once a week. And we grand little vacations. You know, we're very, very normal average people, except for we don't have kids and we don't want kids because we're selfish in that sense, where we'd rather just like spend money on ourselves and travel and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's what I'm up to. That <laughs> Like just living my best life. Happy. I have no complaints. It's fantastic. And if somebody wants to order a custom Funko Pop from Todd, how can they do that? Yes, if you want to order a custom Funko Pop of literally anybody you want, just send me pictures to um, either Instagram at Todd's Pop Shop or my email, toddspopshop at gmail.com. And then I will price it all out for you and get you your own little mini, mini custom Funko. Mm. Sean, maybe we'll have to order a Drop Your Buffs Funko. Yeah. I do believe that's a good idea. For sure. Now, Todd, final item of an, of uh, that we need to solve here. So when I had Brian Corden on the show to recap the last episode, I suggested that our listeners go and flood his latest Instagram post with an emoji. Um, and it actually worked out <laughs> way better than I thought it would. So shout out to our listeners. Thank you so much. So Todd, I would love all of our listeners to this interview to go to your latest Instagram post and flood it with an emoji. What would you like that emoji to be? Oh, oh. what's in a really obscure one? There's an a lot. alien. I want the alien. I love aliens. The alien you head. The alien. Yeah. Okay. Drop your buffs, listeners. You know what to do. Comment on both our Instagram post of this episode and on Todd's most recent Instagram post with the alien emoji. Todd, we really hope to have you back at some point. We'd love to bring you in the fold for one of our recap episodes. And on a personal note, I just want to say, like, 
how incredible it is to see you doing so well, coming on this show and sharing really personal details about your life and your journey. And I think that you are an inspiration to many. And I think I speak for many um, lovers of the show by saying like, it's just wonderful to see you happy and healthy. Well, thank you. Honestly, I'm super glad to be here. And this show meaning survivor, not. (laughs) No, I'm just glad. I'm glad to be in a place of life where this is um, fun to me, where talking about my past and my current life and survivor and life adventures is is not a chore it is exciting and so that is all i am can say that i'm grateful to be able to be here to do it so thank you thank you and like i said i think i made it pretty clear throughout the interview that i've been such a big fan of yours i'll never forget where i was when you won like i will never forget that night because just having that iconic final three having you win where we were rooting for the whole season i have my Faye long buff right here yes um, you know like it's legit and so uh this has been oh, such an honor to so talk to you and hope we can talk again i have one more like small thing Please. so you had said paris and nicole and i wanted to show you or like See if you can go and find it. This one more moment. Um, so, do you know how Paris and Nicole would be like? Sarasa, sarasa, sarasa. Yes. <laughs> okay. When me, Courtney, and Amanda light the fire at the final three to burn all of the crap, and there's a helicopter shot of us doing something with our hands. That is what we're doing. Sarasa, sarasa, sarasa. So there you go. Thanks, Paris and Nicole. So in this, but in this casting, it's like you know, Courtney is the Nicole. Who mm-hmm. is the Paris? You or Amanda? Oh, I'm, Amanda would be the Paris, and I'm just kind of like the the narrator of the situation, <laughs> or like the hairdresser. Was <laughs> that more exciting than Paris when it comes to like being able to you know be sassy? Amanda is not a yeah. sassy person. She's just like the mm-hmm. one that's beautiful and walks around and like what she says goes, but she's not sassy. Yet. No, with legs up to your nipples, uh, that description will stay with you. Yes. <laughs> it's true. They're so freaking long. It's outrageous. Well, we look forward yeah. to having them back on our returning player season. And I mean, yeah. not confirmed, but we're manifesting. I would, yeah. let's put it out there into the universe let's put it out there let's let's put out honestly i'm also gonna put out i want on this here drop your buffs podcast to have courtney todd and amanda reunited i'm putting that out there as well okay i mean i'll i'll do it i bet you courtney would do it (laughs) hey that's 67 percent already we could probably find her her. i bet you she would say yes i bet you we i think we just have to find her sister and get a hold of her sister to get a hold of Amanda. That's how we'll get a hold of her. It's 2023. The internet exists. This can't be I impossible. Know. I know. It's crazy. Okay. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Yeah, I would love that. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a good idea, though. Imagine all, all people would okay. lose their minds. I'm losing my mind thinking about it. I don't know how I, I didn't think about mind. that before. <laughs> yeah, are you kidding me? Make it happen. Again, to you, it's possible. If anyone can, it is the power of Drop Your Buffs, let's just say. And I will say also, I just want to mention to our listeners, some of the current players have hopped into the comment section of DYB's Instagram, which is interesting because I don't know how that NDA works exactly, but I am not accustomed to seeing players on a current season responding to things happening on the show. But we got both Danny and Lauren in the comment section of our latest post 
speaking about Fartgate, so <laughs> DYB is really, uh, we are continuing the story of Survivor uh, on our Instagram, you know, there's a, there's postseason happening, so. Yeah, if you're not following um, Drop Your Bus, you're only getting half the story. Indeed. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> amazing. Well, Todd, thank you again. Everyone go and alien emoji on Todd's IG and show him some love. And yeah, Todd, yes. we look forward to having you back on the show soon. Okay, thank you thank so much you so for much, having Todd. me. I had a great time. Bye. This has been awesome. All right, there you have it. A bucket list interview for Drop Your Buffs, the amazing, iconic, incredible Todd Herzog, who gave us so much in this interview. Such a pleasure talking to him. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please consider leaving a rating or review on Apple or Spotify. If you would like to follow all the goings on at Drop Your Buffs, you can find us on Instagram at Drop Your Buffs Pod. You could also follow our new Twitter account, which is just getting up and running. It is Drop Buffs Pod on Twitter. We also have a Patreon. Patrons got this episode early as they get all of our interviews early. There is also exclusive episodes over on the Patreon. We completed a rewatch of Survivor Borneo earlier this year. We are soon beginning our rewatch of Survivor Panama and our patrons vote on the seasons that we rewatch. So if you want to get in on that, all of the details of our Patreon are linked in the show notes below. We also have a merch store. We have Drop Your Buffs merch and Black Widow Brigade merch. You can find the link to our merch in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Thank you.